Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Okay, I think like this. Or did I press pause? Okay, we are recording. And I'm pouring myself a little bit of coffee. Because it's morning. Uh, the only thing is now the recorder is on the floor, so let's try to be careful yeah. how much we kick around with our feet. I wonder if, uh, if you are keen in what is the code here? Should be. Well, no, they can just. It's fine. It's public yeah. space, so well, I mean. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like, let's be careful how much we kick with our feet. Because. Let's be careful how much we kick around with our feet mm. because that will yeah. make some noise. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Do you need a small table or something? No, it's perfect. We are already, this is part of the podcast now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Verbal Art with Senior Ram. This podcast where I interview artists and other creatives about their art and we talk about it and try to describe the places we're in. Um, and today, on the first day of April 2023, I'm here in uh, Mümala Gallery in Helsinki with uh, Natalie Hamada. Do I say it correctly? Yes, you're saying it correctly. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, this is your exhibition. What is it called? Uh, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And it's a print work exhibition? It's all screen prints uh, works. Um, so yeah, you can call it a screen printing exhibition. Okay. <laughs> um, can you help describe the space? Yeah, the space uh, is divided into two rooms. Um, each of them is, actually one of them is bigger than the other one. It's around uh, 30 square meters and the other one is, is around 20. Uh, they are like square shapes, um, well, white walls, uh, dark wooden floor, and there is a kind of white square in the corner of one of the rooms. Yeah, like the floor has this little weird stage that is like not really, it's one centimeter raised, but it's a different material than the wooden floor. It is, yeah. And we didn't place ourselves exactly on the stage, but like halfway onto it, which is kind of funny, but we needed to look at the, <laughs> the works. And this is a semi-basement space, so there's some natural light, but not super much. Yeah, there is one window in the bigger room and the other one is closed, so it's uh, a dimmed light room. And yeah, there is like the works there are like uh, hand on a fishing wire. Mm, we can go in there afterwards yes. and talk about those. So we're sitting now in the bigger room that people enter from the street, from this funny little narrow staircase. Um, how many works do you have here? How many works? Well, around 10. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And what is the... Actually, there are 12. Okay. 12 yeah, just to be correct. And can you summarize 
for the audience. This is a series, right? Like all the works belong together? Uh, they belong together, but like um, there are two that are from a different series, but still because the background of the work is still like kind of similar, mm-hmm. so I felt like they can still work together in the space. And <laughs> what's it about? Oh, well, it's kind of open at the moment, but when I was working on it, it was more like um, from the pandemic experience. From the what? The pandemic experience. Pandemic, yeah, okay. And it was during the 2020 spring, and I think you remember <laughs> how it was yeah. during that time, yeah. So, but they are all portraits? Of people? Yeah, it's all portraits and um, um, some of them are close to like only a face portrait or then full length portraits as well. And who are the people? So, right now in this room, we have uh, eight prints, like five of them are quite large and then three of them are small. And they're all of like the same little girl? Is it you? Uh, well, I have one portrait of myself, but the rest are like random faces. Okay. But I think they're related to also my imaginations and my memories, so... I'm not sure if it's me or somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's try and help describe the works for the audience. Um, so you used a lot of bright colors? <laughs> yes, I'm very interested in the vivid colors and the contrast that happen when you, when you are using these uh, bright colors and uh, how it's actually received by the audience. It was quite interesting to, to hear that the vivid colors were most of the feedbacks that I got. Oh yeah? But we are in the very um, minimalistic Nordics where everything yeah. is black and white and grey tones. But you're from Syria, so yes. is it more common that people work with these very bright colors um, in your um, art history? Um, not really, but I think it's more popular in the culture. Okay. Yeah, like the uh, the fashion and the fabric making in the countries uh, based on vivid colors. So you can like basically see it everywhere around you. Mm. And also, it's like there's a lot of sunshine in your pictures. Like the light is very bright somehow. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, also, like, when I moved to Finland around three years ago, I felt like <laughs> how much I missed the sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about your technique? Um, how is it that these are made? Because I think this screen printing, people don't really know what it means. So what is screen printing? Yeah, uh, well, uh, it's one of the classical printmaking techniques and uh, it's popular that it's mostly like used for printing on fabrics, um, but 
actually I think that it's uh, um, working very well as like art technique mm -hmm. for making art. So um, it's uh, printing using a silk screen mesh uh, with water-based color or oil-based color as well, but it's more like popular for the water-based colors. Is it because the oil-based color can get stuck in the silk mesh fabric? It's a bit harder, mm. yeah, and it like closed the, the details of mm. the mesh most mm. of the time. Well, at least with me, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I prefer to work with water-based colors. So, um, if people still don't understand, it's the, you have a frame from wood or metal, and then on that frame is like you, there's this really tight suspended uh, silk fabric, and then on that you can make this like emulsion of a of an image. Yeah, it's light sensitive coating, yeah. and then uh, you can use a film that is, that has the design drawn in black and then during the uh, um, yeah well during the uh, exposure process then uh, you can you can get the photo on the mesh mm -hmm. and when you wash it then you have the design and you start to print it yeah so you used a specific light sensitive chemical paint thing that you paint on and then you put it in a UV lamp thing yes. in complete darkness and then only the places that got exposed to the light which means not where you had your black printout of a design on this like a transparent plastic so all the places that got light it hardens and becomes like stiff and, and firm and, and stuck on the mesh and the rest you can wash off so suddenly you have this this like uh, pattern transferred to your screen and then you can use other paints to then yes. transfer that image now you made it more simple <laughs> but actually the, the, the black surface which is your design when it touch the surface of the mesh that is coated, uh, it won't be hardened because it will be covered mm -hmm. by the black. Yeah. So the one that is not covered will be uh, hardened. Yeah. And then when you it, yeah, you will get the same uh, black uh, design mm -hmm. as empty uh, like spaces where you can print and get the same design. Mm. Because you know, in, in printmaking, sometimes it's a bit confusing because in other <laughs> techniques you get the opposite. Yeah, so you go from between like positive and negative stencil all the time and you have yes. to remember where you start and where yes. you want to end up because here you start with, if you start with a positive, you go through a negative stage and then you end up with a positive print and so you have to make it right from the beginning the stencil. <laughs> Yeah, well, it happens, you know. You've done it wrong, but you've made the frames. And <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I've done it wrong like multiple times until I got it. But uh, with silk screen, it's uh, easy because you get the same design. Like you don't have to worry about the opposite. You get the same mm. a drawing that you did on the film exactly on your mesh. Yeah, which make it more simple. 
That's true. Yeah, and then when you layer like multiple color layers, you get the whole like image that you are planning to in case you have many colors. But then if you have one layer, it's just one print. So for these here, do you use like the same frame stencil multiple times with the multiple colors or do you use multiple stencils also? Um, I use multiple stencils and I usually do around like 10 to 20 layers of colors to get the final image done. Wow, so yeah. 10 to 20 times you print on the same image. Yeah. Can the paper handle that much paint? Uh, whenever it's uh, heavyweight paper, it works very nicely for screen printing. Mm. Yeah. But that one to your right over here is yeah. quite thin paper, no? That's true, it's an exception. It's oh, okay. some of paper and you know, it's quite strong. Ooh. When I tried it first time with screen printing, I didn't expect that it would work. What type of paper was it you said? It's Kozo, the Japanese paper. Maybe what... Is Hadi not talking about it in the podcast that yeah, that's, I made with yeah. her? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So it's uh, it has this uh, quite tough and long fibers, mm -hmm. which make it uh, well actually working with screen printing as well. Because it has also traditionally been used for watercolors and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So very wet paint that you wouldn't yeah. normally put on a really thin paper. Can you maybe explain this picture to us? Like describe it for the audience. Yeah, this picture, actually this work is uh, called Hidden Inside. Hidden Inside? Yeah. Mm. It's a full-length portrait for a girl who is around uh, seven years old, uh, standing, uh, well, kind of neutrally. I don't know if... Like an old photo or an old yeah. portrait where people are posing quite stiffly. Yes, stiffly, like you can't really get what's the expression that or And her arm looks yeah. like fake, she looks like a doll, but then she's also holding a doll, so that makes her look more real. Yeah. Somehow. And the background is kind of a mix of orange, blue, black, dark blue, dark brown colors around. Yeah, she's like... It's a little bit like a collage, right? It looks like she's mm. just plastered in this like floating in space and then she's surrounded mm. by shapes and colors and, and overlapping colored textures. Yes, exactly. Um, and she's wearing this vivid uh, neon pink dress. And quite nice socks, like a tennis <laughs> socks almost, but with stripes like which doesn't really fit with the rest of the outfit, but it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a collage work. Yeah, I started, it at, um, I started it as a digital collage work, which uh, I usually do this with all of my work. Um, I start collecting pieces of images. And Where do you find these pieces? Uh, I use my family album photos, I the old one, and then uh, old history paintings, popular paintings. From Western history or Syrian paintings? Western, oh. yeah, from the 16th century until like the 18th. Yeah, well, I don't think really about what date it goes back, but I feel like I'm very interested in this kind of phase of uh, painting. 
Yeah. And then you cut them up into little mm -hmm. pieces and, and you assemble them. them. Yeah, it's like a puzzle game, you know, you collect the pieces and then you make the final image and then you are so happy, or like I made this uh, image out of like these small pieces, you know the feeling. I don't know if you like the puzzle game. I draw the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so then you make your little Victorian Frankenstein puzzle girls. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's why it does look a little bit weirdly collage photoshopped that the doll she is holding, it looks like it has just like been plastered on top of her, like it's not actually in the same space because the colors and the light is different. That is because it is from a different yes. picture. Can you remember which of these parts come from your family album? Um, it's part of the doll, actually. Okay. Yeah, it was from... Um, my mother uh, picture when she was kind of this age. Yeah. So it was a black and white picture? Yeah. It was more like this uh, brownish uh, shades. Yeah. And so where did this picture start? Like what element was the first? It started from the artwork by uh, Paul Robin from the 16th century um, and uh, it was a, a portrait of a young princess uh, and I started working from there. I kept the face as it is actually. Mm. First then the hair and the body. And you changed the hair? I wouldn't have guessed that. That looks like it's part of the face and everything. Yeah, the hair is not the same. She has really strong eyes, it's a strong expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what made me interested in, like... I, fe I felt like there is a mystery in the image. I didn't really get why the girl is looking this way at the painter. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of related to how I feel, uh, how I felt during the pandemic, uh, this uh, spring of 2020 time. <laughs> yeah. Right after you had moved to Finland. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Wow. Crazy time to arrive. It was crazy. Yeah. I I exactly arrived on the day that they mentioned it's a, a world pandemic. Like on the day that Finland closed. Yes. It was maybe the second day. On the next day, they like closed all the borders and. <laughs> so yeah, it's good I arrived the day before. So. Otherwise, I would have stuck in like in my country for three months. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But then you arrived to like welcome, go home and stay there. Yes. Yeah. I w I wasn't able even to go to school. Yeah. Because like you know the university was like uh, I was already late two months to start the university and then it was closed for like. Yeah, wow. So, could, so you didn't even see the school until after the first lockdown? Yes. <gasps> yeah. And so you went to Finland, you didn't get to experience Finland at all, you didn't get to even see the school, you just came and then you were stuck in some shared student housing? Yes, and I was uh, like still surprised why it's so empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finland is always semi-empty, but semi not, not like that. Yeah. 
It was really like uh, like a weird experience, which affected uh, how I was working during that time. Mm-hmm. And it was all like works that have been done during my uh, or in my apartment too. Because suddenly you were forced to work at home, and you yes. can't really do this kind of screen yes. printing at home. It requires some facilities and some materials, and it can be messy. And you can do. If you have the frames, you can do like with painter's tape and like semi things at home. But I assume you didn't come here with all your own frames and paint and everything. Yeah, for sure. So is that how you started doing the computer collages or did you already used to do that? Exactly, yeah. Because I was doing that before, but not really like like an essential thing in my process. Mm -hmm. But then I had to... But after like a while, I really fell in love with like starting as a digital collage, <laughs> and uh, I'm still doing it uh, so far. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, sometimes limitations and having to adapt is not inherently bad, or like can be challenging. But it can be good also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, such an interesting way of like starting your life somewhere. My friend moved to Barcelona right when it was locked down and he told me he didn't realize at first that it was illegal to go out at night and stuff. So he was just like new in town. <laughs> yeah. like, like, wow, it was crazy. I had all the city all to myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, at some point it feels like uh, uh, it's nice that I have this whole space for me, but at the same time it's like scary, you know, like where are all the people? Yeah, and you didn't know anyone. I didn't know not a single person. And you couldn't get to know anyone? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really crazy. Yeah, total isolation. Wow. So then you started looking through your old photo albums or what? (laughs) Yes, I started to like, uh, like what kind of material that I have in hand. Mm. And then it was only these pictures on my laptop and my phone. So why not? Yeah, sometimes it's like that. When I came to my entrance exam here in Helsinki, I only traveled with hand luggage because I couldn't afford the suitcase and whatever. And we had to bring our own materials. And then for six days, we had to be there and make art on the spot. And everyone had brought like buckets of paints and huge canvases and all these like sculptural materials. Yeah. And you know, because they lived here, or someone drove them in the car. And I just like swiped everything that was on the top of my desk at home into my backpack <laughs> and then I just left so when I came I opened my bag and I was like so what did I bring? Yeah. And I had post-its and I had highlighter pens and you know some tape and random stuff like this so then I worked with that and then I was like making dissolving the highlighter pens into soap water and painting with fluorescent soap bubbles and and I was like carving a sculpture out of the post-it block and stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What to do? I didn't know the city. I didn't know where to go and buy anything. Yeah, it's so interesting how we adopt with yeah. the tools and the material we have in hands. Yeah, and I guess it worked because I got in. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, nice. So let's talk about those two over there on the opposite wall of the little girl because they are really interesting neon colors I quite like those yeah so it's two uh, words that are exactly same size uh, 
around like 70 uh, centimeter long and uh, around like 20, 25 wide. Um, one is two girls in standing in the wood. That's so interesting. You just described the measurement of the print, not the paper. Yeah. So the print. the print doesn't take up the whole paper. There's quite a large white frame. Yes. And your measurements was the print area, not yeah. the paper area. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still feel like um, the paper area is like a free area. Well, it's very necessary for me. Of course it counts, but like it counts as it's a space around the image, but I don't really like to limit it or write it down because I might make it then smaller or it depends on how, how I feel about this wide space around the image. So you might cut it later? I might cut it, yeah. Mm. And so, sorry, it was not to stop you from describing them, it was just yes, a nice uh, little catch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So one of them is two girls uh, around, uh, well, seven years old and the other one is around like four, standing in the wood, kind of uh, dreamy details, not really blurred details, not so... Quite blurry and you can't really see their faces. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is like um, a woman in around like uh, 27 or 30 years old. Also blurred details, standing in the same mood. Yeah. Like holding a very tiny flower. And that's what she's holding. Okay, so <laughs> actually, I feel like the pose looks a little bit like she's taking a selfie in a mirror. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Now I saw it, you know, I didn't see it before. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I think it looks a little bit like it's a mobile phone, and, but it's so blurry that it could be anything, like a flower mm -hmm. or this. But I think the pose looks a little bit like she's looking into the phone and like into the mirror, maybe. Yeah. That's nice. Maybe it's also because you added these uh, neon pink lines around her, a little bit like an 80s music video or something, where yeah. this is like graphic animated, neon colored, fast paced lines, like making ooh, patterns. Yeah, I felt like it needed this uh, uh, vivid pink somewhere. <laughs> and then I was like, already done of it. So, well, let's do the highlight. Thing. Yeah, so these two pictures have like the dominating colors are like quite bright light blue and neon pink and then some like ochre brownish yellow color mm. um, and again like this blurry effect does that just come automatically from these many many layers of printing or is do you somehow make it happen in another way? Uh, I like these surprises actually and which are the colors you are now describing. I didn't plan it to have it this way uh, but due to the multiple uh, layers 
colors that I use, then they start to appear to the surface and that's also because of the uh, structure of the paper and how it was made, what is it made for or, or off. I mean, like if it's a cotton paper, then it's very uh, absorbent and the colors start to like suck into the paper and change when you are like waiting for it to dry. So uh, yeah, then it starts to appear these colors from like beneath the layer that you printed. Because you have to wait for it to dry completely between each print? Yes, for me I do that, but it actually happened really fast. <laughs> yeah? Yes. How long does it take for one layer to dry? I think around a minute or less. Really? Yeah. That's super quick. It is quick, yeah. Especially with this uh, kind of paper. Oh. This one is a half moonlit paper mm. and it's made of 100% uh, cotton. Yeah, it's a quite heavy, thick art paper. Um, so, when you do a picture like this, like what what is the starting layer? Like what is on that image? Yeah, I usually start with the lightest color I have in my palette. Okay. Which usually come uh, if you know, of course, the SMYK. It's the first one in the yellow. CMYK. Yeah. So yeah. I start with the, the lightest color I have, which is usually kind of, well, light yellow or like a light gold layer. And then I like build on that. Why do you start with the lightest? Mm, because whenever you start with the dark, you can't really get a lighter layer on it that easy. Okay. So when you start, it's easier when you start with the light and then leave the darkest to the end. So then, is the first print the one that is the most like covering the largest part of the surface and then you just like cover less and less to, to leave some of the light sticking out or has a place? But I, well, actually I pay attention to the lightest more than space it covers okay but usually it's like it covered a, a wider space of the image as it is like light and it's it goes in all the layer building kind of. so the one with the two girls in the forest here like what was what if you can remember what was the first layer there mm, it was this light gold and it's still visible if you so it's just it's a whole just a square of this or is it there an image on it? It was yeah a whole square but actually the images are like small dots they are all small dots all the layers so whenever these dots start to like overlap they make the next color and so on and yeah but I mean was there an image of the girls on this first there was, but it okay. was very like blurred. Okay, you can't really see. It. Um, and it was kind of a full square. Yeah. Mm. And then the next layer. Um, the next layer was the warm, more warm pinkish colors. And then and do you like then the coldest, like the bluish shades? 
And then you end with the neon pink details on top, or? No, actually, it was even before the blue. Ah, okay. But when I was working on the films, I wanted that pink to be so clear, mm. so I didn't put any color on it. I was like, in each layer, like, I, I leave this space empty, mm. and I only colored it in that pink layer. So I got it this clear and clean. Mm. And um, so it's the same image that you've been printing over and over. You don't change the stencil? I don't change, no. Never on any of them? It's the same image, I mean, mm. but it's different layer of the image. Same, same like case. Yeah, but I mean, you just use one frame, one stencil. For the same? No, it's like for each layer there is a stencil. Ah, yes, okay, this, this way. Yeah, exactly. So you have like one stencil that was only with the girls and one that is only with the trees, or? No, not, not this way, because like, yeah. <laughs> You're getting confused with each other. Yeah, let's, let's do it more clear. It's yeah. uh, the same image, yeah. uh, but uh, it's divided into layers, mm -hmm. so it looks differently on each but it's exactly the same image and when it overlaps it builds the final image mm -hmm. each layer is a, a space of tiny dots mm -hmm. uh, if you come very close to the work you can see the dots yeah but from this distance it's not visible yeah but uh, i know this what you are talking about like making the trees for example from from a different uh, stencil and uh, it makes it just like uh, more separate color when you do it this way. Mm. So it's more bold, more like uh, flat color than how it looks now. Yeah, because yours like these tree trunks in the background, they really stand out almost like like a 3D holographic thing. Mm -hmm. And that is because of all this texturing and layering in the light? or Yes, and it's also because it was based on a photograph. Okay. So it's more dimensional than the other pieces which I also draw by hand. Mm. So are any of these people, like the lady or the two girls, are they from your family albums? No, it was very random okay. figures. Um, it was collected from uh, art history works, uh, but uh, really like each piece, piece of the body is from a different image. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm. Like the legs are not for this uh, dress, the mm. head is not for this body, the hands are not for this body. Mm. And so, do you actually cut your own family mm. photos or do you just scan them and cut them digitally? Of course I scan them and cut them. Yeah, you wouldn't cut them <laughs> in <laughs> real life. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's possible, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does your family feel about you using the real images in your art and creating like new characters or with that? Uh, they don't usually recognize the image when I do this but one time I remember like I used a photo of my dad uh, and then he was like 
it was recognized. So he was like, is this like my body? Is this my picture? <laughs> when he was like a kid, you know. <laughs> but why did you cut my head, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but... Uh, what did you answer? Well, uh, it's, it's for, you know, for, for some purpose. I don't know what is it, but I, I liked it this way. So. <laughs> you were better without the head. <laughs> well, I changed the head to some... Uh, I was also like maybe thinking that I didn't want to share a face details mm. of like even though I did that with my picture but at that time I didn't want to have like the details of the face there. Mm. Is this your, your face? This is yeah this is my uh, picture and uh, it was taken on the first day of my kindergarten. There are two prints here that are the same but not the same. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, these two uh, <coughs> prints uh, called Foreigners. Uh, Foreigners? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a collaboration with the artist uh, Robin Illis, okay. who we studied also in uh, the printmaking department. Um, so he did the background of the work, and then I printed the portrait mm. on it. But this was also like uh, an earlier work that I made for Kuvankivat, the exhibition, the annual exhibition for uh, the master graduation show. Yeah, because some of this series is your graduation yes. works, right? Yeah. So this one was in the graduation show, and then. Uh, when we were discussing about making a collaboration, I wanted to like redo the work on this like uh, background by Robin. Mm. He also works with these vivid colors, so I was curious how this would look like with my palette as well. Mm. And so it's your face from kindergarten. Uh -huh. And what is the body? The body was taken from also an old painting um, from the 70s. Uh, from the 70s? Yes. I felt like it works with this, uh, with this uh, piece of portrait. But the hair as well is from another piece of oh, okay. Well, sometimes I use so many that I don't really remember. Yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. But the dress looks like it's this uh, royal hundreds of years ago or something with like uh, ruffles on the, on the sleeves and stuff. Yeah, I heard this feedback once also about this work, but it was more like it reminded me of like this. Uh, fashion style when I was almost this age, I don't know, I remember like wearing this like a bit like bigger poofy sleeves. Yeah, <laughs> shoulders and I really hated them. Was it in the 80s? <laughs> no, we were like like this in Syria, you know, during this like 2000 or 1999 or 1998. Okay. The, the dresses were this kind of, yeah, we were getting the fashion a little bit, uh, you know, late. But it was this way, yeah, it reminded me of one dress that I had. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. 
and so how does it feel to use your own face and give it new hair and new body and like to create a new do you feel like it's a new character or do you feel like it's still you um good question yeah uh, i do feel like it's me still yeah. even though i was thinking that it will be like a new character when i was working on it so i thought that we, i don't know how this is gonna end like but uh, i definitely didn't expect that it would be still the same <laughs> And how do you put two of them next to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean, or what does it do to the character, to you, to like multiply it in this way? Sorry. Yeah. So having just one picture of yourself that is morphing into something else is one thing, but then you multiply it and you have like two next to each other. Um, what does that do to the? picture or to the character or to you that with this multiplication that now it's like two of them yes um, actually when I printed them I was planning to show only one okay but then I felt like each of them is like quite different than the other and uh, it was during the pop art time that uh, artists started to show the same print but in different like colors and I was very interested in this kind of showing. Uh, not sure what's the exact reason but I just like the uh, contrast of these two like pinkish and then orange uh, shades, how it changed the same image. Mm. And also with printmaking this is one of the things about the medium is that you can reproduce it, right? Yeah. But, so it's like it's quite normal to have um, multiple versions of the same because screen printing allows you to do that. You have one yes, one stencil, and then you can make a hundred T-shirts that are all the same, but they're all unique because there will be little tiny differences yeah. in the handmade print. Yeah. And so how did it feel like to do this like color collaboration with the guy who did the background? Mm, one is very, uh, it's like a sunset gradient from bright pink to neon orange. The other one has like two thirds pink and the other third purple in this uh, textured translucent. Yeah, it was uh, actually more random than than you think that it was so planned, you know. He he did the background like individually, and then when I saw them, I was like, oh, this would be so nice for a collaboration. And then he was like, why don't you like print on that? So they were already ready, you know. <laughs> okay, so he had just made these random like very mm, minimalistic like, uh, prints background, like yeah, and then. I have this very detailed uh, way of working, so it was such a contrast between the two of us, but at the same time there was something common, which is the vivid Yeah, colors. yeah, yeah, that's quite nice. And then it ended up like this. <laughs> well, <laughs> art school sometimes yeah. really works. Yeah, <laughs> I think, <clears throat> well, there are three small ones we didn't talk about. Do you want to say anything about those? 
these uh, prints, uh, it's the same image printed on three uh, different colors, handmade paper. Uh, they're quite small compared to the other prints I have. Uh, around an A4 size, and now I'm counting the the space of the paper yes. because the paper is handmade and colored so it's part of the image it is you would not cut this one and I cut it and also I think because of uh, the space or the shape of the uh, background behind the portrait it's not a square it's like a, it's a circle kind of like an ellipse thing. circle so yeah. yeah, it's like these old lockers, like um, or lockets, not lockers, lockets. These like a uh, necklace uh, lockets that you could open in the old days and have uh, photos inside. Yeah. So it's kind of this style portrait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I like this uh, uh, necklace style of like having it. In, inside it, a portrait picture. Who is the um, child? Um, also a random, random figure. Assembled by multiple. Yes. And uh, the paper that I made, uh, one of them was totally made of cotton, and then the rest, they have a bit of cotton, and then you can see the difference how the colors looked on the surface as well. Uh, so is this the same color you have been printing with or different colors? I have changed it, like if you can see on the green and the black ones, it's uh, exactly the same colors, but on the blue one I only used pink mm. in the background. And this is quite crazy, so one of these papers is black, one is like almost neon green, and then you have printed with this um, like white and orange and brown tonalities. And so on the black one, it's super clear and really natural colors. Black is a really good background for colors in this way. Yeah. But the green, the neon, the, oh, the orange that was quite brownish earth tonalities before, it becomes like neon orange on this bright green background and details are lost, like you can't see the eyes, it looks more like scary in a way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's really important how, like, what is it inside the paper and how the surface of the paper looks like, if it's very soft or if it's uh, like textured. Ah, yeah. So it affects the details and sometimes like these soft details might look quite different on, on the uh, like textured surface and uh, then exactly it's very interesting how the colors can be more neon or more vivid on just like different color of the surface it's not really in the palette the palette is exactly the same so what is the paper made from um, this paper has a cotton around like uh, 30% and then it was a collection of like recycling of old paper mm. so I, I wasn't sure what is this old paper were made of Yeah, but it was around like uh, 30 of like cotton uh, fabric 
made in, yeah. Yeah, in school in printmaking department we have this big machine so you can just like toss like pieces of old paper or fabric or stuff into it and it will chop it all up into tiny little pieces and then soak it in water and chop it even more and then in the end you have this like porridge so Indeed. yeah yeah you can really recycle and make from all these different types of materials also put like very organic materials like yes dry leaves or whatever yeah. this comes uh, during uh, like making the paper itself when you like apply the uh, sheet of the paper and it's still so wet then you can add these pieces mm -hmm. of uh, uh, tree leaves or yeah. uh, strings or whatever so so the color like this neon green how did you achieve that did you just mix the the recycled paper in green bright colors uh, this actually was the color of the fabric that I chopped and okay. I added to the uh, old recycled pieces of paper which was all like almost white or white okay. but then the green like mixed with the color it changed it was even more intense green than this but then it was diluted yeah. with white paper mm -hmm. So, how, you work a lot with color and this type of, like this way of mixing colors and creating new palettes from layering is a quite specific or special way of working with color blending because it's different from mixing paint and it's different from working digitally with color editing. So where did you learn this? Is, it, is this a technique that you made up or do you have some kind of like color teaching in some specific way? It happened actually when I was working on this project. Um, as I was working first this digital collage uh, sketches and then splitting that, uh, dividing it into layers, I noticed that I started to understand more how each color is made, what is it made of, you know. Um, so I started to use this uh, information while I was mixing the color when I convert the digital into handmade mm. and then I started little by little like understanding more about mixing the colors so it happened during the process actually. Mm. Let's go to the other room and yes. look at those works. I will leave my little coffee installation on the floor. Yeah, it's still running. <coughs> so, now we're in the other room. It's more dim, the light here, uh, and the window is blocked, or like the blinds are down. Um, we have four big prints here, all on black paper. Is it handmade paper? It's Fabriano, um, around, well, well, it's a big sheet, this one around uh, 100 centimeter high and 50 wide and now I'm counting also the paper rounds because this <laughs> I already decided I'm not going to cut. Uh, the colors are so vivid so they really need the space around and because it's black uh, it's a central part of the whole image. What is on these pictures? 
um, if uh, you can see it, there are the same works in the other room, but they are printed on this black paper, so they look kind of really different. Oh, the two girls in the forest are here. Yes. And they are wearing like neon colored, like uh, orange and yellow stripes here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's exactly the same palette that I used there. Really? Yes. So all but of the layers, everything is the same? It's exactly <gasps> the same. No, that's crazy. But it's completely different. It is, yeah. But they, even the neon pink, I mean, it looks like a brown or like... Yes, it doesn't like, look like pink at all. Yeah, like... The and there's no blue. Yes. There's a tiny bit of blue, because not like before. Yeah. When I was printing, I noticed that the blue is not visible anymore on the dark. Like, it's not working. So what was pink before has become dark brown or like red wine color in some places and what was blue basically has disappeared uh -huh. and then now I can't remember I don't have them in front of me but there's a lot more orange and yellow in this one yes it's more visible yeah so what was more like ochre brown in there is more like bright orange yellow here uh, well the, the the bright orange was there as well, but it wasn't that visible because of the neon pink. Yeah, okay. it was more dominant in on the white surface. So here, like, it's almost disappearing. So wow. Okay. So what, which one did you make first? Um, you mean the layer? No, like of the. Huh, you mean the the print? Yeah, I made first the the. The one on the white paper yes. we looked at before. And then I was like, why don't I try it on black and see how it looks? But this one was the last edition of the work. Okay. Uh, the black. So I was just trying and I was thinking it might not really work. Uh, and did you do the layers in the same order as the other one? Or did you change up the order? Uh, I changed a little. Yeah. Uh, because when the blue didn't work, I was a bit disappointed, so <laughs> I changed the plan a little. Uh, and I added one uh, one layer which wasn't there, uh, but I used it as a grey. I, I think you can see the grey uh, on the corner, mm -hmm. on the yeah. edge of the work. It's, yeah, but also the, this kind of grey is not visible on the... No lighter uh, paper color, but also I mean a lot of your layers probably I don't realize them and they just all together create this like texture and layering and like um, three dimensionality even though it's a flat image but it's still like contours and depth in the color. But here the girls are like they don't have faces at all and like. At first, I couldn't even recognize them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it was hard to get the details on this uh, kind of paper, and also because of it's a different kind. It's not only a different color. Yeah, it's also different fibers. So, yeah, it's like the details were not possible to get on this. It's the same with photo printing. If you print on matte paper or on glossy paper, the different surface coating makes the colors and the mm -hmm. contrast and uh, everything stand out differently. So yes, yeah. But here in the screen printing as well, there is the mesh 
when it's softer, it, it gives you more details mm. capacity. But then if it's like wider holes in the mesh, then you get almost like blurred details because the it gets wider. More saturated paint or what? It's because of the holes that mm. are in the mesh. Uh, and how much it let the ink go through. So if it let like more ink to go through, then the details will start to like be blurred. And this is just different types of silkscreen uh, fabrics that they, they some of them have like larger uh, woven textures. And it's so just different fine. size of mesh. Okay. Yeah. And so what is on the other? Three pictures here. Uh, there is uh, actually uh, we can say that uh, they are hanged on a fishing wire, and there are four prints that we are now seeing in front of us in this room. Um, yeah, why why did you suspend them in the room like this? Why are they hung from a wire? Um, I felt like. Uh, they are quite uh, strong on this black squares and I felt like they need more space and maybe why not to put them a bit away from this white wall behind because then it will like or for me I felt like it it dragged my attention to that contrast between the wall and the black edges of the paper more than what is it in the image itself so I felt it's easier to see them this way. Do you think they get more or less heavy from being hung like this rather than mounted on the wall than the, like the other ones? Mm. So I felt like, uh, actually I felt like they are lighter when they are hanged on this wire mm. a bit away from the wall. A little airy like laundry. Yeah. Because but they're quite heavy works, and then you put them in this like kind of dark room, so that also creates some like different seriousness about them. Yeah, and it's the first time I show my work in a dim like room. Okay. Space, so uh, also I didn't think it will work this way because the papers were so heavy and and the fishing wire need to be uh, quite long. Um, yeah, it's still yeah, it's it's not it's not actually fishing wire. No, it's like a metal wire. It's a bit yeah yeah that's true. It's a bit like thicker than that one. Hmm. Um. And so, are these images more serious? Serious? Like I don't. I feel like this room feels more serious. It's that you step in here, it's more dark. These big black prints are hanging out from the wall like you know really facing you in a way um so like is the vibe in here different or like it is different yeah. yeah so i mean the girls stay up here in both rooms which is interesting from this perspective but who are these other characters mm. uh, well this if if you can see, it's kind of same like uh, holding this puppet and standing in same like strong way. Oh, not yeah. it's like, not the same one though, right? Not, no, it's not the same at all. But it's the same vibe. Yeah, so it's almost like the girl holding the yeah. the doll, but 
But it's a different girl holding a different doll. Yes, it's. Uh, I like was using the same concept of that word, but kind of differently. And in in the work that is the last one is a uh, uh, well random figure standing maybe in a wedding. Which is supposed to be like a happy event, but it looks a bit dark. It does look a bit dark. Yeah. And it, it's hard to see that it's like she's wearing something on her head that could be a veil, but it could also be a scarf or you don't really know. Yeah. And also because the eyes here, like this woman and the girl with the doll, they do have eyes, but they're just like painting dots almost, mm -hmm. like they don't have like details of an eye, so they look a bit more freaky and you can't really yes. discern how they're feeling. And the silver for the eyes is not really like a cozy color mm. to look at when it's in the eye. Mm. Yeah. That's why maybe you felt it's serious. Maybe. It's also just the whole presentation and like the vibe of the room, uh -huh, so yeah. you know, it's yeah. more quiet in here, like you know, it's yeah. But so the girl with the doll here, is it also one of your mom's dolls? Uh, well, it's uh, it looks similar. It's not like I've taken it from a picture, but it's like same vibes of this puppet time. Um, it's an old time, so maybe I have also used it in this picture to like uh, point to that old times. But the girl looked less old in this one. Like it, she, the other girl looked like she was from I don't know, sixteen hundred or something. But this girl, yeah. she looks more contemporary. Yeah, but maybe eighties something because of the puppet. Maybe but now each of us see it differently, of course. It's yeah. interesting how also yeah. I'm describing it. <laughs> um, so. Why these two very different rooms? Some of the same characters appearing in different rooms, but in very different ways. Um, I felt like uh, when I came into the space of the gallery, I felt like the way it was divided, it's uh, here more calmer than there, mm. and there it's uh, it's kind of not possible to dim it this way so also the space like let us or it affect us how we are showing or exhibiting the work yeah, uh, so I had to find a way to work in this space uh, and as long as the papers were this dark uh, I preferred or I felt like I wanted it to be shown this way in this room but the vibe is really different, even though it's like so close to each other. Yeah, yeah, and even though some of the characters are the same, but they feel mm -hmm. like very different. Mm -hmm. Like these two girls in the forest here, it feels like a different fairy tale than the other room. Yeah, and I think it's it also this way like of uh, presenting on dark and a bit lighter paper and then showing in like a very dark room and then a bit lighter room. Uh, it has a connection to the process I'm working with and then the concept of like 
the project that I was working on a very like light and happy uh, things related to life. At the same time, there is always this dark side in the image that you can see it sometimes in the background or in the eyes or some like fading figure in the background that tells you there is something freaky here. Are there generally happy characters for you? Well, the colors are happy, but none of the characters are smiling. Well, not, not the characters. The characters, all of their eyes are quite like skeptical, mm -hmm. and they don't really smile. You don't know what they're thinking. But even the picture of you, it's your first day in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. You don't look like you're like uh, undividedly pleased to be there. Mm -hmm. That's very correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think. Uh, we all had this kind of experience on the first day of like social interaction, whether it was a kindergarten or somewhere else. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was mentioning that the colors are maybe happy, but mm. not the figures. Mm. So it has these two sides. Does that reflect how you were feeling in the period when you were starting this project? Like, I don't know, maybe moving to Finland, new school, new life is quite wow. But then in the middle of the pandemic and being all alone is really not a wow way to do it. Yeah, it wasn't, no. But at the same time, it was so exact, exciting to element that it was scaring a bit. Mm. Like moving from the Middle East up to the north to a Nordic country that I really don't know anything almost about. <laughs> So uh, all the crazy ideas were in the airplane, but I didn't expect that I will arrive to this uh, pandemic time uh, where there is a lockdown again, you know, but it's not because of the war, it's because of like some flu kind of thing. <laughs> Did you, was there Corona or Covid lockdown in Syria happening at the same time? No, there was because of, there is no international like... Uh, uh, like relations in the country with any of the countries around it was almost like it's almost kind of in a lockdown because so of the war because of the war and it's not easy that there are people coming from like outside it's not so tempting you know and as well it's not easy for the people in this dune to go out because it's a war dune so we didn't get this pandemic stuff there there was almost no case <laughs> in the country and because I was so like stressed about my move and I didn't read about the news that much, I only thought it's something happening in China, but it's a bit far. But when I arrived to Finland, it was like a lockdown, it's happening everywhere. Okay, so that's really interesting. For the, if there are any listeners out there who do not know what has been happening in Syria over what, how many years now? Like almost 12 years. Almost 12 years there's been war in Syria. Like. Just so many different groups and interests and international uh, invasion, crazy with all this and civil war. And there's been a lot of war in Syria. It has been heavy situation. There's been a lot of refugees from Syria in Europe over the last 10 years. So <laughs> because Syria was in its own weird international lockdown since 12 years, you were spared for the COVID pandemic. Yeah, it was such a strange surprise. <laughs> like, what is going on? <gasps> I didn't expect, of course, to have kind of same 
uh, experience, but uh, I thought that I'm kind of familiar with this, but it was even more scary because, you know, when, when you are surrounded with your loved ones mm. and how much support that gave you, it won't feel that uh, hard to you. Of course, each has their own experience, but still, for me, it was a shocking a little bit when I was totally isolated. And when you can't go home, also. Yes. When the borders are closed. Like it was crazy time, because you know you never know when it like ends, and if you will get it, and if it's really like it will make you die or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there was this uh, of years during this time when I was working, so it all affected the words. And at the same time, I found myself going back to the past because, like, I almost have uh, no connection or no interaction with what with my environment when I was in this lockdown. So I had to go back, which was which was even more painful, kind of. Yeah, no possibility. <laughs> no possibility to work on your present and no possibility to like work on your future because the world is in a pandemic lockdown and the world is ending. It feels like mm-hmm. that's really special. Yeah. So, yeah, forced to be in this new foreign place and to only have your past life to work with. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's a lot. And also, it even made me start like recognizing things from the past that I didn't recognize when I was living it. Because mm-hmm. when you are going back and you are so like analytical, you know, seeing like why did I feel like this in this kind of experience and what happened and so on and so it gives you lots of material to work on at the same time I don't think it's so pleasant so you mean like working through past traumas or stuff like this that you when you were in it you were in like a more of a survival mode emotionally and then yeah I was kind of uh, during that period like ignoring what's happening because that made it a bit easier hmm. to like uh, not to think that it's a war and not to think that it's like or thinking that maybe it's gonna end next year or the year after but then if you really think about it you never know when it ends no. When, when there is a normal life, like again. Yeah, so maybe if you're comfortable talking about it, can you explain to the listeners, how does it feel to live in a country that is where there is war? You still studied and had like normal life happening? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it was very weird and I'm still trying to understand it so far. Uh, but it's if like the idea of you might or I might die today or tomorrow and normalize this idea is really like a big thing. It's quite heavy. It's quite heavy. I think it's one of the heaviest things that you might experience. And you were quite young when the war broke out? Um, when it started actually I was preparing for the entrance exam in the Fine Art Academy at a bachelor degree. It was in 2011-2012, so I was almost, well, 17. Just very young still. Yeah. yeah, just like finishing high school and going to life, you know. Yeah, well, the world is at your feet because now, finally, after high school, mm-hmm. you get to choose what yes. to do and live. Yes, and then you find like uh, going to school or going to work, that is something 
you have to do even though there are like a scary bump around you and there are maybe people in the, that area dying but still you have to go to work and go to school like you know normalize it very surreal yeah there were there times when it's you're very sad but super sad life continue it's so sad yeah, or at least life tries to continue, right? Because as we also yeah, experienced yeah. with the pandemic, actually shutting down a country is really expensive. It is. It's really difficult and it's really expensive. And it's difficult and requires a lot of resources. Maybe a country in war doesn't have on like for disposal for just like everyone in lockdown. So you have to try and keep society running as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's financially uh, crazy when it comes to only thinking about the f- like uh, financial problems. But imagine that it's also not not only this. It's it's your well-being. Yes, of course. Also, you can't just for twelve yeah. years sit at home. Yeah, but then people started to adopt and going out, even though they might like die for going to shopping or like go to grocery shopping or you know go to meet a friend so it was this kind of vibes for 12 years yeah it's it's still uh, it's sad but it's still happening yeah and in many countries also yeah yeah of course syria is not the only country in war right now but um but it has been going on for so long that like you say people have managed to normalize it the people who stayed, though, yeah, a lot of people left. Yes, a lot of people left who managed to. Uh, a lot of people who like went into this uh, sea, very dangerous uh, journey into the sea mm. from Turkey uh, to Greece and then to Europe, and then going into forests mm. to arrive to some specific country to apply for asylum and then manage to get a normal life. If they don't die on the way. Yeah, if they don't die on the way. If they are not rejected in the country they arrive in and sent home, or if they're not like arrested in the country they arrive in and put in weird semi-concentration camps for Mm -hmm. refugees who are waiting for maybe getting sent home, maybe getting asylum. Yeah, it's a bad situation in Europe with this. It's so sad that it's even until today it's happening. Why did your family stay? Um, well, my family were um, they were in a place that is a bit uh, of the Damascus city that it wasn't so affected by the war. Uh, well, we of course went through some experiences that are near to death. But it was kind of, in general, we felt a bit safer than the areas that were on the borders or a bit far, who like didn't have the choice but just to leave. Um, yeah, so far now it's getting a little bit better mm. with the safety thing, but not financially, of course. Mm. But for them, they preferred as uh, they love there. They want to live there. They don't want to leave home or like to live uh, their normal life every day. And so 
also, I mean, your school and jobs and stuff stayed open most of the time, or, mm -hmm. or all of the time? Was it sometimes shut down that you had to stay home? It or? never was shut down forever, which is crazy. So there were no times when you had to like hide in bunkers or shelters? Or I remember many times when I was at the faculty that we had to go to the sculpture department. <laughs> Because the sculpture departments in all the faculties are on the first or like yeah ground floor ground because floor. you have to transport really big heavy things yes. so it can't so be they were upstairs. like yeah using these speakers in school like hey can you go down to the sculpture department because there is some bombing around and it might reach the school so can you go down you know imagine this it happened multiple of times and it was uh, really like shocking and sad to see. That on the next day there were some friends from other faculties who maybe uh, like lost a hand or like uh, were traumatized or they got injured like forever for their life uh, because of the bombing that it reached. I remember on that day it reached the uh, architectural school which was also close to our faculty. So the there were also people who died. And people just keep studying? And yeah, on the next day we like we heard that when we were like also studying in our school, so Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was incredible scary. But still we had to I don't know. I still when I like go back to these memories and I try to understand how I even managed to go to school, how I wasn't even afraid. I don't really get it. Well, you can't be constantly afraid for 12 years. I mean, your nervous system wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to handle that. So I think, like you say, you normalize things. You can, you grow a tough skin or your scale changes or something. Yeah. It's like a horror movie. Um, if there's this tension in the film that you have to like be tense through mm -hmm. the whole film, it doesn't work. You need the dynamics, so you need to let the audience relax every once in a while and feel like it's safe, they can breathe and like nothing will happen for a while, maybe. And then you build up the tension again. I, I think people work in this way. You cannot you cannot just be like if you are like tense and afraid for twelve years, you like die, you break down that's, from anxiety. That's true. Yeah. But not everyone like manage, you know, to normalize the abnormal. No, of course. So it's hard. And so... Okay, so you didn't leave Syria because of the war. You just left because you wanted to... Yeah, further well, the, the main reason was just to, to, to continue my studies, which was even like uh, a plan when I was in high school, so there was no war. Mm. So it was a plan. But you always wanted to travel away to school. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to travel and like complete my studies, and I was at that time thinking of Italy. Mm. And then the, just the plan was delayed, and then it was changed, and then it was Finland. <laughs> so why Finland? Did you have like friends who had um, escaped as refugees that were in the Nordics, or like why did you choose to come here? No, I don't know anyone who was in Finland okay. when I moved. You um, know people who left though that are other places? Yes, I know definitely. So many people who I know like were like... Uh, they travelled to Europe mostly. 
uh, I know many people in Germany and I was also planning to go there just to not be like starting from the very scratch like knowing someone or like it sometimes helps yeah but uh, it didn't work that plan didn't work because of some delay and also some like uh, application to school and stuff and then I applied to Kuva here in Helsinki and I got accepted so I traveled but I didn't think about it that much it's <laughs> such a big difference you know going from Damascus to Helsinki it's crazy it's crazy yeah <laughs> I tried not to look so much from the window in the airplane because like it felt a bit like when I was over the sea like oh, I'm so far away you know <laughs> I don't know when I'm gonna get there it's so far especially that I had to transit on my way it made it even feel more longer yeah well yeah <laughs> um I have to just like catch my thoughts again. Uh, all these like background and memories are are in my works some, somehow. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't get it when I'm working. I get it a bit after a while. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when they are in the exhibition space. Sometimes when I'm having conversation as we are doing now. So it helps to understand a bit the images and why, why I did this kind of colors or details or... Do you think you created all these like new family members because you were suddenly all alone? Um, uh, Or did you use... Part of it is yes and the other part is I was even before that very interested in the portrait and the human figures. That was my other question, like did you used to make this kind of portrait uh, images before? I used to and I was so interested also how they catch the attention mm. of the audience and even when I was looking in other works I'm always interested in portraits and how I like how the eyes drag the attention first to the eyes and then you go then observe the rest of the body and the rest of the background and so on and then how deep it might go because of also what is behind the image what's the concept So I feel it's so interesting. And so how many now we have like 12 prints here, but you made a lot more prints of each in the process, right? And then you selected the best ones. So how many like not failed prints, but like other prints exist from this series? Yeah, uh, generally I do like uh, eight edition. Of each oh, work, okay. Uh, I think I fail in two or three. That I there are proof prints that they come at the beginning, and then I I start to like uh, uh, try out the colors, try out how the image would look like, and how each uh, uh, film, if it's divided into four films or five films. How each film looks looks like individually on like a, a paper, and then I decide how many times each film will be printed or each layer will be printed. Sometimes I print the same layer but with different color, like mm-hmm. three times or four times. Sometimes I use hand stencil made pieces of paper and I put under the mesh and I print. So even the same uh, the same layer looks different. Mm. 
because I changed it with these uh, pieces of paper and I like how random it looks when you do it by hand. You can't really repeat it. Mm, so, true. Yeah. yeah, but that is the thing with these. Like you are holding all these frames in your hand, you're putting the paint on with hand movements. Mm -hmm. So even though it's a little bit like um, systemized that you can reproduce and yeah. use that, every single one is unique because it's about the exact pressure that you put on and how quick you are with your wrists or... Yes. Yeah, it's also about the pressure. The pressure actually lets you make this connection with the print mm. because when you are kind of really energized, you do a different kind of pulley, you know, like you, oh, yeah. pull, you pull the print differently. You work fast. <laughs> you are like angry or like relaxed. Or you pull it differently, even though you are trying to do it the same way. <laughs> so it kind of really shows how you feel. It's not just like very repetitive kind of action. It's more like, it's more than that. Your emotions come through the body movement communication mm -hmm. with the materials. Yes. And the more uh, this action that you made, the more you tired you get, so you can't make it in the coming like layers that much intense at the first layers. Yeah, because these quite big frames to work with and stuff, it's actually very physical work, right? And you have to lift all these heavy plates to pressure yeah. the prints afterwards and... Yeah. And then it's not visible like in the print, this kind of like a lot of work that is behind the cleaning and... No, it's very coating. delicate, like the result always looks quite delicate, paperwork, printmaking, ooh, and actually it's quite messy and quite physical. <laughs> yeah, and especially the frames, sometimes if they are aluminium frames, they're quite heavy and they're, if they are like big sizes, you really like be in, in pain, you can be in pain on the same night, you know, in your <laughs> neck and your like, back. It's, it's very, like, a lot of job. And I remember from making paper and doing prints and stuff, there were all these, like, big stones and stuff that you use for pressing stuff. You, have, you lift a lot of really heavy things also. Yes, to make the, the pressure with the stones. Yeah, and many times, like, you know, like, drop the stone and I, like, piece of my finger or something. Oh no! <laughs> but this is how we learn how to carry the stones. <laughs> um, and so, I think we've been really well around like the works and your background and everything. Maybe let's talk a little bit about the space. This is the first interview I do in Mimala, Mimala 2 it's called now. It's Mimala Cox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where, why is it Cox or 2? Well, I have no idea. No, okay. About the title of like the gallery, but what I know it's the history. Well, well very shortly I know that it was a a place where they make fabric. Mm. Like before it was a gallery. I think it started in two thousand two as a gallery. As a gallery, but before that or a bit earlier, it was like a fabric making shop, maybe or like a place where they make the fabric and that's why we have this white square in the other room on the floor it has this very big and heavy machine on it ah okay and the wooden floor can yeah, handle of course now it's a part of the space a lot of old industry enhancing yeah 
And so, how did you get this up? Did you apply to have the exhibition here? Yes, I have applied. It's maybe annual open call. Okay, so free open call and then you just send an application? there is a free kind of of it and there is another one that is that you pay for it. Oh no, I just read like the topic is open. Mm -hmm. So like... So there is, I think there is one that is open call and they're not really sure but uh, it's written on the website. It happens annually and I have applied for that uh, and I got this uh, for weeks but I use like almost five days of it for installing the work and so on and then there is the for the exhibition. So when did you uh, get to know that you would have this exhibition? Mm. How long in advance did you plan it? It was almost a year in advance. So are some of the works made for this space for this exhibition? Uh, there were uh, three works that were made for this exhibition and the rest are older works but not all of them were shown were shown, sorry. So, um, yeah, there were maybe like two of them were uh, shown in Turku before. Okay. And uh, the rest are now the first time to be shown. And so, um, then you get to have the exhibition, you have the space for a month, and you, have, you pay rent for that, right? Yes. How much? It's uh, eight. 150 euros. Yes. Um, and then you sell your works, maybe? Yes, and uh, well, they don't get, of course, like a commission. Commission on selling the work. Just okay. So you were asking for how much is it? So you were you get you get the money directly if you yes. sell something. So this is how it works. And Helsinki artists have to like invest or bet on their own like uh, sales in this way that they have to pay rent. And eight hundred fifty for a month is actually not in the high end of this city. Mm. But you still have to sell some prints to yes, to, to manage. Yeah, but in my case, I applied for a grant. So it worked this way. Yeah, well, it sometimes helps when you have like, uh, uh, well, when you have found a, a space and then you need to pay the rent. So you apply for a grant. If you, this might help in getting like a grant for working as well as long as you have a space and like of course exhibition. I don't really know, but in my case, it it works. No, I think that makes sense because it shows that you are actively already working and validated, and it's not something that you just like came up with or like they can trust that this is actually happening, mm-hmm. and they can trust that someone else is already already betting on it or like accepting it. So you know, it's like another a gallery already accepted to show my work so then of course it must be worth something to start with you know it's not just oh maybe i would like to make some prints or yeah so this is how the artwork world works a lot like the more you get accepted to things and the more grants you get it's like validation stamps and then other people also think oh yeah probably it's true yeah <laughs> well i heard also affording grants of what? Of working grants. Working grants, yeah. I didn't yeah. get any of these yet. But my grant was uh, from Taike. To just pay the rent yeah, to So it was supported this way. Mm. Um, and what was the title of your exhibition again? Uh, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. 
It's a it's a poem by uh, Emily Dickinson, and this very short poem was published maybe after her death in 1886. Um, it's about telling the truth. Well, in pieces, not to make it like uh, so shocking when you are telling it because sometimes it's quite strong or bright truth mm -hmm. that you need to say it this way to break it up and like ease it out a little bit, but also slant. Tell the truth, but tell it slant. It's like the expression slant means like distorted or like <clears throat> you know it's not completely clear it's not completely authentic it's a little bit modified or distorted or blurry maybe it's like on the edge of something so you or you tell something with an angle with a very specific perspective that can also be the word slant yeah i think it's so open yeah it has like multiple interpretations depending on the usage but but it can definitely be used also so that you tell a story from a very specific perspective or angle or you look at something with a specific perspective or from a specific place. So why did you choose this title? How do you think it applies to these works? Um, in the poem it was so open that it can be anything the reader relate to. So it's, it can be like about the nature of life or death or this like big things or at least to me when I was reading it. So I felt like I'm kind of in my work, I'm doing it this way. Mm. And in my case, because I'm understanding it in pieces. So I'm like uh, presenting it this way. Um, it's not so obvious in the work that there is kind of a war happening in these images or there is any more background in it, but maybe uh, it shows a bit in the colors or a bit in the uh, not so cozy looks of the portraits or so many things. But also they're so blurry and the backgrounds don't really reveal anything, so they there could be a war happening, you know? Like, Did you feel this? Right? No, but not necessarily, but I mean, like, they don't reveal what is happening. They also don't reveal what is not happening, you know? It's really... They yeah, are... They are very uncertain. Yeah. Of. Yeah, they are uncertain and, like, um, yeah, they don't, like, uh, answer your questions so much in this way. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and so now you are done at school here, you've lived here for three years, you have gone to school, but you are staying in Helsinki? Yes, I'm staying for well, the coming years. I don't know if I will move around after maybe like four years or so, I, I'm not sure. I might still like, like it here and manage the winters and and... Yeah, still manage as an artist as well. Have you been home to Syria since you came? Yes, I went uh, last summer. I went for almost a month. How was it to be back? That's yeah, that's a good question because uh, I was a bit like stressed out how it's gonna be. 
a little bit it felt like going back in time yeah like even the light there make everything around you looks different light the is air. different in different con uh, countries yes yeah I, I really agree with this and then there's the air and how it smells yeah like it has a smell I, I never noticed that there was a smell <laughs> there but it's different and then yeah of course uh, I, it wasn't how I expected it was also a little bit uh, not so cozy and a little bit not so like uh, uh, scary as a war zone no it wasn't it was also well it was like ups and downs you know during this whole month also seeing your family after like two years like you have changed a lot yeah and they are they're almost the same living the same routine and it also affects when there is uh, this like uh, space because of the world they stay in the same routine and then they don't see like or they don't travel that much they don't see like different people as much as they they do when there is this kind of condition they are living in of course the whole country is a little bit stagnant in this position mm -hmm. right so it affects the whole thing so for them they were like all the time uh, like telling things that uh, like they are dealing with me as I was a bit younger when I like you know not even when I moved even a bit before so it felt also at the same time yeah strange but of course it was so nice to see them and like uh, manage to have some nice time together but you don't want to move back home? I don't think so no no so now, can you stay here? Yes, I am staying here for now, and it's so far possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is always this a bit of difficulties when you are outside of European Union. It's yeah. hard. You need to like keep renewing your residence permit and stuff. Uh, so yeah, you need to keep on track with this. But uh, otherwise, yeah, so far it's possible and. Uh, as long as I can go and see my family, it also helps. And this is the difference, right? Because we talked about it recently. So, the difference to applying for asylum and applying for to be like normal immigrant status. One of the differences is that as an asylum seeker, you are not allowed to travel back home to Syria. <laughs> yes. But as a normal immigrant, you can travel in and out of Syria. Yes, you can. So, like, the application processes are different, but they also, like, open or close different doors. Yeah, because, I don't know, but it's a bit, uh, it's a bit hard and it's very sad. Well, of course, like for people applying asylum, it was hard for them to get out from this space, mm -hmm. but they still have family, they still have relatives and loved ones they want to see. So, yes. Yeah, yeah it's quite sad. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's not possible for them. Oh. Yeah, heavy topic, but thank you for sharing. Wow. Thank you for, yeah, for opening up also questions and for the nice conversation and yeah I, I sometimes like avoid well not sometimes I mostly avoid talking about this topic it's a bit sensitive and 
For sure. Yeah, but it felt cozy talking with you. Oh, I'm so happy. No, but that's also why I started asking, like, are you comfortable talking about it? Because yeah. it is sensitive and it's... Um, yeah. I don't just expect people to want to talk to me about whatever, but also on the podcast. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, personal mm-hmm. things. I always try to allow people to go as deep as they are comfortable with, because we sometimes in art work with really heavy subjects and, and we sometimes have really heavy topics in our life that we work through in different ways. And so it's interesting when we get to touch on them in these conversations, but I also understand when people want to leave it unspoken. Yeah. But I think it's quite valuable since there's been a lot of all this like focus on asylum seekers and stuff, but like not that many stories about people who managed to still attend the art academy in the middle of the war or you know this kind of like weird ambiguity of normalization of crazy situations yeah those are yeah. not the stories i think there's yeah. a, the reason also that you said that many people don't prefer to talk about it it's not that easy so uh, yeah i think it's not uh, it's not very popular like what is happening out there and especially with uh, the Syrian case, I I don't I, I didn't meet many artists from Syria here, but I know how, how hard it was to like travel from there and start in the academy and with all these difficulties. No, for sure. And I mean, I know that some schools, for instance, in Germany, some art academies have had these programs where they have allocated uh, quota slots in the programs for. Um, uh, for refugees, uh, for people who have gotten recently asylum, who are artists, and then I heard some stories that from students in these schools that like it's a shame they get this spot and then they don't really use it or it doesn't work. They're somehow not integrated into the academic program. But also, I feel like one thing is to offer a workspace or a study place to someone and say because you are a refugee, you can just attend. You don't have to apply and. It's wonderful, but people are super traumatized. Like they're not in a good space, and they're new in a country where they have to learn a new language. Super heavy bureaucratic, anxiety-provoking process of getting like residency. They might have just traveled illegally through trucks and boats and dying on the way. Kind of, you know, like maybe they're not in the best place to just like begin art academy and you know make wonderful art in a new country it's also a bit if you want to offer people these opportunities i feel like you really need to hold their hands also and help them make it work yeah yeah for sure yeah that's very important point yeah it's it's like the mental health is above everything yeah and And, and to be new in a place even if you come with like some resources or from a more free choice yeah it's not easy it's not. They really need support, they really need to be considered uh, not only as a person who needs a workspace or no, exactly. like a seat in the academy, they, they need a bit more. I mean, in general, integration is not just giving someone a residency permit, right? It's yeah. uh, <laughs> You don't become part of the country just from like being allowed to be there. Yeah. But anyway, poof, big other discussion. Maybe not for today. Thank you so much um, for sharing with us about all of this. 
Is there anything we have forgotten to say that you would like to include or touch on or mention? Well, thank you so much for the nice conversation. Sure. I hope I sounded clear. <laughs> I think it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything in mind at the moment that we didn't share or talk about. Uh, yeah. I, I never know which questions I forget to ask that people would have liked me to ask, so... <laughs> yeah, well... We talked about the process, the background, and yeah, so much actually. It's in a bit deep. Uh, a bit deep, yeah. like heavy. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. That was really valuable. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think we talked about a lot. So, do you have some kind of like website or social media channels or anywhere that you would like to offer people that they can check out your stuff? Yes, I have an Instagram account, natalihamada.printmaker um, and there is a website which is under construction yet. But this will be a few months until this is released, so it might be that it's working. I will yeah, check in with so you before. Check it, natalihamada.com and Maybe it's working. <laughs> it should be, I should finish the work until okay. this podcast is launched. Yeah, and so in the show notes, as always, on ACAST website where I have the podcast, you will be able to find direct links. And wherever you're listening to this, all of these podcast channels, there should be the links. So I will put all these. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.